Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. We are looking forward to sharing our guest with you today. Dr. Angela E. Loria is the founder of The Author Incubator and creator of The Difference Process for writing a book that matters. She has been helping people free their inner author since 1994. She has helped over 1,000 authors in transformation write, publish, and promote their books. Angela is the author of Make Em Beg to Be Your Client, the nonfiction author's guide to selling, serving, and funding a movement. Make Em Beg to Publish Your Book, How to Reach a Larger Audience and Make a Full-Time Income in the Extremely Overcrowded World of Personal Development. The Incubated Author, 10 Steps to Start a Movement with Your Message, and The Difference, 10 Steps to Writing a Book that Matters. She has a BA and an MA in Journalism and Media Affairs from the George Washington University and a PhD in Communications from the European Graduate School and lives in Washington, D.C. Enjoy this episode. Well, this is Dan Moore, and it is such a pleasure to welcome Angela Loria to the Action Catalyst. So welcome, Angela. Hey, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Well, just looking at that array of books behind you, I know that you understand that although dogs may be people's best friend, books have been our best friends even longer. So it's great to see that. That is true. That is true. And now I think more than ever, I think we're having a a new golden era of books. Everybody's home with their books and they're reconnecting with them all. Well, that's true. To put this in perspective, we are recording this really in the middle of a time when the majority of states are currently in lockdown at some form or another. By the time you actually listen to this podcast, it may be all the states. We may have been through it. We don't really know where we are, but we know that at the moment we have an opportunity to get some insights and some inspiration from you, Angela, which would be great. Could you do kind of a little bit of a tour through the different pivot points in your career that got you to where you're now the author incubator and you help people's ideas get into print and become life? For sure. Well, I went to the George Washington University in Washington, D.C., majored in journalism and wanted to be an investigative reporter. Um, My specialty was long-form magazine pieces, and I was an intern at uh, one of the news organizations in D.C. and got a job working as a researcher for one of those long-form magazine writers who would write pieces for um, the New York Times Magazine or Vanity Fair. And his work was about espionage. He went on to do a bunch of New York Times bestselling books. And I was his researcher and writer and interviewer and photographer and all the things, personal assistant, sometimes lunch maker. And I really got my feet wet in the world of publishing, kind of starting in my senior year of college. While I was still thinking someday I was going to be kind of a famous investigative journalist. And somehow, 17 years passed, and I kept working on books. I never got that job as an investigative reporter. Everywhere I would go, I would meet people who would hire me to ghostwrite books or edit books or research books. I did 
textbooks and espionage books and political books and technology books. And it didn't matter where I was on the tube in London, at the top of the Empire State Building, at the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia, walking around Uluru or Ayers Rock in Australia, wherever I would go, I would meet people. They would say, what do you do? And I would say, well, I'm a ghostwriter, an editor, a writer. I'm working on this book or that book. And they'd say, oh, I'm working on a book. Will you work with me on my book? And I never had a website. I never had a name. I mean, I had a name. It was Angela Loria. Um, And I was waiting to grow up. My whole life, I got this first job when I was still a senior in college. And I kept waiting for when this internship was going to finish and I was going to get my real job as a reporter. And eventually, I went back to grad school. Grad school was really expensive. I had to pay my way through grad school. So I started doing um, books for VC-funded startup firms. And I developed this method of using books to drive leads for high-tech software. So I was entrepreneur in residence at Bain Capital, and I worked with a lot of um, Silicon Valley startups and helped them drive lead gen using something called now inbound marketing, but there wasn't even a name for what I was doing. I used a lot of stuff I learned from direct response marketing in research when I was in grad school. And somehow life passed. And it was 17 years before I realized I had been waiting to start my life. I was just about to turn 40. And I was like, I need to evaluate where I want to be when I turn 40. So I hired a life coach, which I did not know what that was, (laughs) to figure out who I was going to be when I grew up. And I hired kind of a famous life coach. Her name is Martha Beck. And she has a book called Finding Your Own North Star, which I fell in love with. I found her through O Magazine, Oprah's Magazine. And I spent three years trying to figure out what I was going to do when I grew up. And uh, my late 30s, it was 37 to 40. And um, I was writing books and reading self-help books, trying to figure out what I was going to do. When one day it hit me like it was right under my nose the whole time. I should help life coaches write books. I should take everything I know about driving leads for software companies. And at the time, I was doing a book called Windows Server Backup 2.0. And I was driving 1,900 leads a month to a backup software system. And I was like, if I could drive 1,900 leads a month to life coaches and executive coaches and wellness coaches and things I actually believed in. Not that I don't believe in Windows Server Backup, but it's not my purpose on the planet. Um, That I would have the life I really wanted to have. That was my North Star. And so in February of 2013, one month before I turned 40, I opened the Author Incubator. And that is the story of how we became the most successful publishing company in the personal growth um, development space. We have over a thousand um, Amazon bestselling authors. Over 250 of our authors have generated a quarter of a million dollars or more for from our books. We've got 20 millionaires. Uh, 76% of our authors make $100,000 from their book and 99.6% success rate in terms of completion of their books. Wow. Like triple wow. 
it's something I'd never even heard of before. And you invented it, this whole publishing incubator. And it's a fantastic story, Angela. It's such a crazy, like there's a, there's a book that I read um, called Body of Work. I think it's somewhere right over here. And by Pam Slim. And it talks about how all of the moments in your life will add up at some point. And all of my work in publishing and then all of my work in inbound marketing in the software world, like it all just came together in a very unique way that I don't think anybody else has that combination of skills. So it really does feel like my purpose on the planet. Well, you may know what Albert Schweitzer said about that. He said, when a person's talents and the needs of the universe meet, then they found their purpose. Well, that's what it feels like over here. You have definitely done that. And in the 17 years when you were waiting to grow up, you were actually growing into exactly what you've been doing. Which I think is true for everyone, by the way. I think we're all like looking, not maybe we're all, but a lot of us are like looking. Around that time when I was 37, the reason I hired Martha Beck is I decided I wanted to go to law school. I wanted to be a personal injury attorney. And before I did that, I wanted to make sure I was right. So I really wanted Martha Beck. When I found her, I Googled books like what color is my parachute? And I wanted to like take a quiz that would tell me you should be a personal injury lawyer. And really what Martha Beck kept doing is pulling me back to me. She was like, what do you lose track of time doing? And my thought was like, well, reading personal development books, but no one's going to pay me for that. Like, what do you naturally get? assigned to do? What do people ask you to do? Well, write, but no one's going to pay me to write. Everyone could do that. And the answer was right under my nose, but I was looking hither and yon, you know, to be a lawyer or something that was totally not who I was. I just couldn't see it. And it was right in front of me. Oh, I think that's such a powerful insight. And what I'm taking from that is don't look too far. It could be right smack under your nose. Sometimes that's the hardest place to look. (laughs) Very, very true. And by the way, today is your birthday. Happy birthday to you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I am 47 today, um, which means uh, it's also almost uh, the birthday of my company. So the company just turned seven last month. Oh, I think it's a fantastic combination of great events. Well, we're talking in the midst of the pandemic at this point, Angela, and I'm just curious, what has your, your many experiences how do they come together in, in ways that helping you cope with what's going on right now in this unprecedented set of circumstances? I do feel really lucky that the last seven years I have spent building a company that delivers online trainings and teaches life coaches how to develop online trainings. So we work with experts, entrepreneurs, coaches, healers, doctors therapists, nurses, and we help them take their expertise that they're used to delivering in person and instead to deliver it in an online format. And we use the book just like I did with my in my software days. We use the book to drive leads to them. And so for my clients, one of the biggest barriers to entry was people didn't know Zoom. People didn't understand you could be helped or have a deep relationship through a screen. 
people, when they were in pain with their shoulder, thought, I got to go into a physical therapist's office. And we've been offering solutions to that for seven years now. And one of the things I think that's helping me through this, you know, incredibly challenging time for all of us is seeing the breakthroughs that are happening now in technology. This is going to be the golden era for online training, the golden era for books as lead gen, the golden era for life coaching and some of the introspection we've had to do to manage the anxiety around this. Um, I really do feel like this is happening for reasons that we will someday look back and understand, just like we can understand how the Great Depression shaped America. But the people who will help us through this, this time, are not the bridge builders and the train track layers, but they are the life coaches and the online learning practitioners who have been there and been building the courses and creating the content to take us to the next level. Absolutely. So really, you're starting from a position of gratitude, grateful for being who you are, where you are in these times, and actually being an agent of progress for everybody that's trying to get through this. Yeah, I thought all of this was going to happen in about 20 years. I feel like the timeline jumped 20 years, but I think with a lot of loss and a lot of grief and a lot of sadness, we will come out the other side very happy to have made the huge jump, I think, in technology, education, healthcare. I think everything is about to have a massive infusion of cash and energy and intention and intelligence and focus. And we're going to see some pretty awesome things invented during this time. Well, I can speak for me. It's definitely a massive leap. For you, it's probably a bit of a hop. And for my children, they've grown up in it. So right. we're making that that transition. Um, you work with lots of self-help authors, lots of people that help people come to grips with things. If you are, were counseling somebody that just felt this sense of anxiety and the sense of desperation and don't know where to turn, um, what would you pull out as sort of a a toolkit, some one, two, threes for dealing with this, this sense of paralysis or, or fear? Well, my one, two, three is reading, journaling, and meditating. And I do them every morning and have for a long time. I don't think that's everybody's one, two, three. So here's my tip on this. There are things you already do that make you feel better. And whatever that is, and it might be, I don't know, you doodle. Just like while you're sitting at the kitchen table, there'll be a sheet of paper and a pen and you're just doodling. And you don't think of that as anything. You just think of it as there's a piece of paper. Why wouldn't I draw things on it? But in that moment that you're doodling, you are meditating. You're getting the same benefit I get out of meditating. You're kind of zoning out, not thinking, thinking about the lines, and do more of that right now. Notice those things and do more of that. Maybe you like taking your dog for a walk. Do more of that right now. Maybe you get a tremendous amount of oxytocin when you exercise. Do more of that right now. So I think the biggest thing not to do is listen to other people about what they do. 
So like I have a routine I've done for 20 years. I wake up, I meditate. I usually get some sort of insight when I'm meditating, which makes me want to write something down. The act of writing those things down, other people call journaling. It makes me sound fancy, so I'll call it that too. Um, And I always read or listen to an audio book as kind of the last part of my morning routine. Mm-hmm. So, but it's just like what I want to do to make getting out of bed fun for me. And I think a lot of times we try and copy other people without paying attention to you already have your things. You know, I always have a um, large variety of rocks and stones and crystals. And um, I'm always just like holding a lucky rock. And one of them will feel right in my hand. I just picked up four of them. And one of them just like feels good to me right now. I don't know why it's this one and not the other ones, but I'll just carry this for the next couple hours. Not because someone told me to, or I read it in a book somewhere, just because it feels nice in my hand. So look for that stuff that brings you comfort. And that's such a powerful insight. Everybody has certain things that make them feel better that help them get into that space where they can get lost in whatever it is they're doing. So do that instead of copying what somebody else has done. Thank you. That's very succinct and very on target. I know sometimes people ask me, so Dan, what's, what's your self-talk? And I say, well, it's completely irrelevant because if it works for me, it's very unlikely that it'll work for you. <laughs> yeah, You know, people do that with weight loss coaches. This comes up with a lot of my authors who write about weight loss. Everyone wants weight loss coaches to give them what to eat, you know, Monday at 10 a.m. have half a grapefruit and, you know, at 1230, eat an onion raw. Like they just, they'll eat whatever the dietitian tells them. And then they want those results. And what good life coaches will tell you is you have to listen to yourself and what your body wants and build that relationship with yourself. You can't do it through someone else. They should eat the raw onion. I don't know if you should. You got to talk to yourself about what you should eat. But learning to trust yourself, your body, you know what you need to feel better right now. And really developing the relationship with yourself to listen to that will help with food, with careers, with relationships, and obviously with anxiety. Since we're not spending a whole lot of time commuting and trying to get in and out of subways and cars and all the rest of that, we'd have definite opportunities now. That is for sure. Mm-hmm. A big part of this whole process is realizing that as much as we want things to go back to normal, they will never be because the world is moving in such a different direction. And so becoming familiar and comfortable with the uncertain is a big part of this whole process, seems to me. Yeah. They're, the kids out of school are going to be out of school for enough time. There's a lot of school districts that are going to have three or four months out of school they are going to figure out online schooling. I was watching a friend's kid yesterday. He was in an AP world history class with 9,090 other kids doing AP history. Now that class is probably terrible right now, but I'll tell you what, by the end of three months, it's going to be pretty damn good. Every day for three months, they're going to figure that out. And then the schools are going to be like, wait, why do we need to have an AP history teacher when we have this amazing one who can do classes online? We're going to repurpose school buildings. Kids are going to learn how to be effective with online school. Teachers are going to learn how to teach effectively. All of school is changing. And then add that to 
almost any industry you're in, this is enough time that everything is going to shift. We're not going back to how it was. It's not going to happen. And it means even more important that we have that sense of being centered, that we acknowledge who we are, how we are, and then have our thoughtful eyes on, thoughtful ears open. Well, don't you think that's why, in a way, we're trapped at home right now, is like to do that work, to all be ready for these changes. We're all having to develop such stronger relationships with ourselves and our partners. There is, I'm sure you've heard, divorce coaches. We have a lot of divorce books. They are very excited about the pending divorces that are about to happen. Um, Apparently- (laughs) In China, there's been a huge divorce boom since they started opening things up again, and they're expecting that to grow. China is a culture where divorce is pretty heavily frowned upon and not as common, and it's about to go mainstream in China. And I think you'll see here people who have been willing to settle for mediocrity in their relationships are going to be like, no way am I doing that anymore relationships are going to get healed or they're going to end. And many are going to get stronger. But so many are to... going to get stronger. I know that's what's happening here for us. It's like a whole new world in our house. Yeah, absolutely. We're experiencing that as well. And we have two kids that live quite a ways away from us and one grandchild far away. But through technology, we're able to see each other as often as we want to. And it's so valuable and so important. We've been doing in my family, like family photo, old family photos. We've never got, we've had the same technology, but we've never looked at family photos together, but we've been like sharing photos and making photo albums and making music playlists of what we listened to growing up. And it's the closest I've ever felt to my family. Yeah. I love that. And that's one of the other lessons that needs to come out of this is all of us are together and the closer we can connect with the loved ones the more love we'll feel and the stronger we'll be because love is a great boost to the immune system. Right. A lot of that going on too with a lot of scariness and, you know, I don't want to downplay any of that because this is real and where we are right now as we're recording this is right at the beginning of what we know is going to be worse. But um, I think we do have to lean into love and gratitude and, you know, all the stuff that we do have to be grateful for right now. It's, it's so true. Well, I have to ask this question, Angela. Many of our listeners have a, a book that they've finished or they're working on. Um, what, what should happen next? So here's the thing about books right now. Um, almost everybody, and there are probably a handful, fewer than 100 exceptions, almost everybody with a book right now that they would want to market wrote their book in a bull market. So whether your book is about education or weight loss or relationships or even a memoir or in some cases fiction, you probably wrote The Great Gatsby and it's just not going to resonate right now. Mm -hmm. So if you already have a book and you're trying to market it, what I recommend strongly is that you do a new edition. Start working on that right now. You should have a different title, a different subtitle new description copy, we call it flap copy, write at least an introduction or a preface that's new and maybe rewrite your chapters. Almost any book needs to be contextualized right now. Um, 
Actually, it's it's not almost every book. I have the specific numbers. I went through our books. We have a little over a thousand books that I reviewed and 52% held up fine. 48% needed to be changed and needed a new edition. So we reached out to those authors and said, hey, we, if you want to keep marketing this, we got to do a new edition. Mm-hmm. That is sound, practical, doable advice. So we're grateful for that. Well, good. Angela, you are an encourager. Did you know that? I did not, but I am happy to encourage. I am happy to be encouraged and to uh, spread a little of that love around right now. You have certainly done that for all of us. So on behalf of all of our listeners, thank you. Continue to stay safe. Continue to model the things that are going to help everybody do better as we emerge. And thank you once again. Thanks for having me. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.